Hey everyone, welcome back to Illuminate, a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church to inspire growth and help you engage in your community. I'm Hannah Bowen, Worship Arts Coordinator here at Hope, and today I'm joined by Reba Gaskew and Michelle Bogoslavsky to take on the topic of life-giving conversations. Thank you for joining us. Uh, For those listening who might not know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Reba, you want to start us off? You practically know everything about me because of Pastor Mark. (laughs) But um, I'm a grandmother and a mom, and I also work part-time as an accountant. And my life has been primarily, my adult life has been spent uh, following Mark wherever he feels the Lord leading him. My days are filled with accounting work, talking to people on the phone, visiting people, and I like to clean, unfortunately. So I do a lot of rearranging. (laughs) How about you, Michelle? Um, So married for 34 years to Jeff. We have two children, um, grown boys, 31 and 27, and they both are um, blessed enough to be married to lovely young women, um, one granddaughter. We are a lover of dogs. We currently have three, um, one therapy dog that works with depressed and anxious um, adolescents and a rescue and a small Westie. Um, we moved to Anderson just over two years ago to be close to my dad. I'm an only child and he's in his 80s and healthy, but nice to be close. And We found hope after discovering one of Mark's sermons online, and Jeff sat in his office and watched three of them and said, that's where we're going to church, and we've been um, really fortunate to be here and not only enjoy Reba and Mark as um, pastor and pastor's wife, but also as dear friends and confidants. So thanks for having us. That's awesome. Yeah. So glad that you're able to share some of your wisdom with us, because I know that there is plenty of wisdom to be mined from both of you. Um, so we're talking about life-giving conversations, how to take our interactions with people from just questions like, how's the weather? And, you know, oh, how are you doing? Busy, but good. And then leaving it at that. Um, but instead, pressing deeper into just the real substance of people's lives. So to start off, Why do you think it's important for us as the church body uh, to push further into people's lives, to not settle for shallow relationships, but to really pursue deep connection with people? Because I think people want it. Um, I think we all have that, oh, I'm fine, good. Even, you know, me, even you, Michelle, in, Mm -hmm. in the busyness of life. But down deep, people really want that extra layer. They want someone to talk to. They want to have community, uh, even though they may work a job and they've worked with the same people for years or gone to church with the same people for years. Uh, we find that very little of them take the opportunity or the time to say, hey, come over and have coffee or come sit on my back deck and let's just talk. Uh, it's a real need, especially now. I think that COVID has caused us all to realize how much we really need that extra layer of of conversation and friendship. I think that, you know, everybody has a story. 
and some people are comfortable sharing their story and some people aren't but I think it's important for people to share their stories. I do believe that God puts people in your life for a specific reason, um, whether it's somebody that it will just be a hello and a smile and hopefully, you know, um, you make their day. But um, for the most part, whether it's a neighbor or someone you meet at church or someone that you have as a friend, um, their stories are important and they sometimes need healing from telling their stories. Sometimes they need validation from telling their stories. Um, Jeff and I have worked with um, at-risk troubled youth and families for, you know, 33 years. And when I think across, you know, the, the numbers of those kids and families, um, their stories are all different. And taking the time to actually listen is, I think, a lost art. I mean, I really do. You know, you go into a restaurant and you see people on their whatever's phones or um, laptops and doing work. Um, and I, I think that that's not what God intended. God intended for us to actually get to know one another. If you think about the stories of um, the new gospel and you think about Jesus sitting around, what were they all doing? Talking all the time, fellowshipping and talking. Um, and I, you know, it's when we're together in our small group, it's not uncommon for us to start the evening at six and we're still sitting around the dining room table at nine thirty or 10 because we all have a need to share our story, whether it's the long-term story or the immediate story. So I think we're called to help people tell their story. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you mentioned, um, just having those, those long conversations to sit in because so many times I find myself meeting with someone and there's always a hard cutoff, like, Oh, I got to, dash out of here at this time. Um, but some of my favorite interactions with people happen at those, you know, oh, come over for dinner, and four hours later we're still talking. Um, so that's really awesome. What are some some elements to creating an environment to have those deep conversations um, to help spur on someone to feel comfortable, to be vulnerable, to share, to deepen that relationship? What is What has that looked like? in your lives in successful situations with that? For us, Mark and I, because we are pastors and we're at a church, um, we obviously default to taking care of the flock for those that God has put underneath. And that takes a lot of time, and that's a good thing. But for our field of evangelizing, we try to make it our neighborhood. Mm. Um, And we're blessed to live in a good neighborhood and some young families. So for us... Mm. Our default, because we love children, is we normally will just be out in the yard and we default to their children. We'll talk with them, make friends with them, mm-hmm. and then we'll you know just start having conversation with their, their parents and always ask about the kids and mm-hmm. um, how they're doing this week. I text one, I knew one had a fever, and I just text the mom and say, hey, I'm just checking on Madeline. How is she feeling? And mm-hmm. she was just, thank you so much for, for thinking about my child you know this we know them just from being out in the yard playing but that is something that we try to do because that is since he doesn't work an outside job other than the church I I of course have my jobs but it's just nice to to look at your neighborhood and get to know them because they most of them were both of them work mom and dad they work rush in the afternoon uh give the the children time to play outside and then they rush in for baths and bedtime, you know. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have um, decided that's our field outside of our church to get to know people, get to know their stories, like Michelle said, and just befriend and be there. And we've had some 
great rewards in doing that. We really have. Mm-hmm. We have often thought about selling our homes sometimes, like we can't leave our neighbors. Uh, you know, we got to stay with our neighbors. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not like we have as close a relationship. We do, but we know them. We know when there's a need. We know when someone mm-hmm. is sick. We know when there's a family that has passed or a family member has passed away or someone's sick, or and we, we just try to take care of them. That's what we do. We use things that we think where they're at, and things that are important to them to start the conversations. That's awesome. I love that you mentioned family. I feel like a lot of times I tend to default to, you know, hobbies or work, trying to find something that it's important. But, man, just when someone says, how's your mom doing? How's your brother doing? Like, that makes me feel so good and so seen that someone cares about my family. That's awesome. I think it's really about um, being willing to step out of your comfort zone and make the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about the new friends that you've made, or how did you make friends? Um, You know, I think about um, Jeff and I becoming friends with Nathan and Cassie, and, you know, after just kind of working vacation Bible school and then some brief conversations and then come on over for pasta, you know, and you work a week as Friday night, really, you know, Cassie's coaching basketball, so we can't do it till seven and all of those things. You just kind of say it's, that's what God intends, right? God's work isn't nine to five. It's not the same economy as the world. It's God's economy is people and it's love. And so I think, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit's prompting you to do something and you're like, I don't have time. I don't really know them. What will we talk about? This will be weird. Um, But being willing to step out of that comfort zone and reach out to someone um, and and, and make that initial invitation. And I think that's how you can really get to know people. Um, I also think as you get older, um, you know, when you're younger, um, you know, your friends tend to be those people who have children your same age. When you get older, kind of like Reba said, it might be the the people, the younger couple down the street, you know, and being really open to that. Um, what is what is in your environment? You know, for us, it's quite interesting. We live in a um, a bit of a smaller neighborhood than Mark and Reba, and we have a, co- a kind of a combination of um, not very many young kids, so kind of those middle-aged p- folks, and then a lot of seniors. And so we have found ourselves really making sure that they are doing okay, not by being intrusive or invasive, but when we see them actually talking, actually listening, following up on, well, I'm doing fine, I have a doctor's appointment, then you see them next time, how was that? Because um, their kids live far away in mm-hmm. most cases. But I really think, you know, taking that time, um, one of my favorite verses of the Bible is, you know, Jesus saying, I'll make you fishers of men. And I think that that is what communication relationships are about, is fishing for men. And what does that mean? And what do people need? And for me, it really is, it was a a shift um, in my thinking about the fact that um, the, the job that pays me, that God blesses me with, is not as important as making time for people. And I think that's a that's a shift I, I'm not sure our entire culture has made, but it's an important one for people who walk with God. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a lot, I'm closer to college, so like a lot of my friendships that I still have are ones that I've made in college. And in that season of my life, it was really easy to make friends because we're all there together. We had nothing else mm-hmm. to do. Um, and now that I'm married and live in a home um, away from people, it it takes a lot more effort and intentionality. And I found that in those situations where I find myself wondering, you know, why am I not connecting with people? It's usually because I'm not 
putting in any effort. I'm expecting those relationships mm-hmm. to just fall in my lap. Um, but it, it takes so much intentionality. I also love that you, you brought up uh, engaging with people that you normally wouldn't. Um, people outside of your social situation, age, work, uh, engaging with people who look different than us uh, is so important. How have you seen that importance play out in your lives? And what are some strategies that you found to connect with those people where your only common ground is Christ? Mm -hmm. And and apart from that, your lives look completely different. How has that brought a new perspective to you? Um, Or what are maybe some challenges that you faced in navigating those relationships? For me, I think the two big things that I think about um, with that are um, avoiding judgment because just because you're a believer, you're a Christian, we're all different. I mean, we really are. So avoiding judgment. And I also think avoiding expectation. Um, if you are, you know, thinking that this relationship will mean this or bring this or be this, I mean, even in our own marriages, you know, I think, you know, advice that I would give young people that are, um, getting married or haven't been married long is, remove the expectation and increase the communication mm-hmm. because, you know, you think two different things. I mean, it's, it's one, it's a guy girl thing, but it's also a, just, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? If you're having a disagreement, do you want to resolve it right away? And does somebody else want to, you know, wait for a bit? Um, so I think removing expectation, really communicating, avoiding judgment and just seeing people for who they are and being okay with that. You know, um, people can be very different. And if people disappoint you, you need to look at, is that because you had a certain expectation or because, you know, they didn't, maybe they didn't follow through on something. I remember someone asking me in this church, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed. This is what happened. I felt like this was what, you know, um, was intended. And I said, you need to pick up the phone and call that person and have a face-to-face conversation. This is not a text. This is not a whatever. Um, and it really was very two different perceptions. One person intending really well, you know, to do a really good thing and the other person just interpreting it something differently. So I think those are the things that, I mean, again, unfortunately come with age in many cases. Um, but yeah, those, that's, that's where I go, um, is to really be mindful of those things and purposeful and letting people be who they are and, and coming without expectation and avoiding judgment. And just to add a simple thing, I I think, Loving people That's right. for what they are, yeah. not for what I want them yes. to be. Yes. I remind myself yeah. that often. That's hard. Yeah, well, that's, you know, the only one who got it right was Jesus, right? <laughs> so we're all just trying to work our way <laughs> closer. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. Yep. In those uh, relationships uh, that you find yourself forming where you are truly called to accept someone for where they're at in their current situation. How do you navigate showing someone that acceptance while also maybe encouraging growth in an area of their life? So maybe there's uh, a struggle or or an area for change uh, that they need um, that you as a friend want to encourage them in, uh, but at the same time you want them to know that you accept them no matter what, you love them no matter what. How do you navigate that balance? And I think before we have those freedoms to speak in that type of relationship, we have to have a relationship. Mm. That's the basis. You have to have a relationship mm-hmm. with that person 
before you can speak those words into their life and they receive them. And that takes time. Uh, it, and it doesn't always go as quickly as we would like for it mm -hmm. to go, especially if you see an area of what you think could be a, a downward spiral that they're going to go down. Mm -hmm. You've got to really depend upon the Holy Spirit to guide mm -hmm. you in that because the flesh will get involved and, and you've got a mess. And even your good intentions mm -hmm. could be taken wrong, you know, and it, that just... You have to, uh, this sounds bad, earn the right to speak that into mm -hmm. their life. I mean, I couldn't just go up to Michelle when I first met her if I saw something and, and speak something into her life. She's not going to receive that if I have just known her shortly. But after building the relationship of gathering around the table and laughing and sharing heartaches mm -hmm. about our children, our grandchildren, mm -hmm. our life, whatever, we've kind of mm -hmm. built this solid foundation mm -hmm. to which I can say, Michelle, you know, and I hope that she would mm -hmm. feel the same to speak into my life. Mm -hmm. It's just time and patience mm -hmm. and, and, and depending on the Holy Spirit of how you navigate right. that. Because a lot of times, um, from a pastoral standpoint, when people get the courage to come to Mark or I or both of us and share something, and then we get the privilege to speak into their lives about that. One or two things will happen. And it always goes back to how much of a relationship we have with that person. Mm -hmm. They exit and they never, we never see them because of the embarrassment or that we didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. Or we grow closer together and we walk through that valley with them. Yeah, I totally agree with everything Reba said, and I think, you know, part of the the um, underpinnings of that relationship are trust and respect. I mean, you know, if you really believe and trust that someone loves you and wants what's intentionally best for you, then it, you can hear what they have to say. And if you know that they respect you and you respect them, that mutual respect is so important. Um, for me, I think, you know, it's important to know for somebody that I'm going to talk to or if somebody wants to talk to me that I know that they have that I have their unconditional support and unconditional love or that they have mine um, and that, you know, that trumps everything else. Um, and I think part of making that decision for sure is being guided and prompted by the Holy Spirit. Is this something I think, or is this something God's directing me to? Is his timing here? Mm -hmm. or are we now? Um, and I think some of that also has to do with what it is that you're hoping to help them with. Is it a crisis or is it a pattern? You know, how risky is it? Or is it just something that could be helpful in the longer run um, that kind of guides whether or not you need to speak up too? But, you know, um, as somebody who's studied behavior for a really long time, people aren't going to hear until they're ready to hear, which is why it's so important to have that relationship, the trust, the respect, the support, the love, but also to wait for to, for the prompting of the right timing and to be really prayerful about that and, and make sure that, you know, you're in, you're in that timing with God. Just want to take a quick moment to inform you guys of another podcast you can check out. We think that podcasts are a great medium for you to continue to get spiritual nourishment to learn more about the world around you and so we'd love to kind of keep plugging this resource in your life uh, and different topics different avenues and uh, and the one I want to share with you today 
is called 30 Minutes with the Perrys. And I really want to highlight one particular episode called Embracing Conflict. It is an incredible conversation between the two of them, very real, uh, about their two different approaches to dealing with conflict and how to combat different situations and conflicts in a Christ-like manner depending on what side of the conflict spectrum you find yourself in. If you're someone who avoids confrontation or if you're someone who might be a little too eager <laughs> to jump the gun and, and confront someone on something. I think it's a great conversation for you all to check out. It goes really well with the topic that we're covering today on conversations. So when you have some time, give that a listen. 30 Minutes with the Perrys, Embracing Conflict. relationships that you both have experienced over the years, either as a mentor speaking truth into someone's life or as someone being discipled who's had a, a strong leader? Um, and how did that relationship come about? How was it built? And then what was the most impactful thing that came out of that in your lives? That's a big, powerful that question. Is. My go-to when you say it like that is Cynthia Wilson. She attends church here. I've known her since 1993, um, and I call her my spiritual mom. And um, she taught me probably the power of prayer by living out that. Every time I would call her, and this is even when we lived in North Carolina after we moved away, I would pick up the phone and I would I call her Mimo. I need you to pray. You know, will you pray for this mm -hmm. for me when you pray? She never said, yes, I will pray for you. She'd say, let's pray right now. Mm -hmm. She taught me that. Don't put it off. Mm -hmm. We prayed right then. And she told me to speak boldly and to speak scriptures when my prayers and to just have faith and claim it and to just stand on it, regardless of what was in front of me, regardless of my emotions, mm -hmm. whatever. So when you ask that question, she is the first mm -hmm. person. And today I still am blessed with her speaking into my life. And I hope that I've been able to bless her through text. She's 80, I want to say 86, 87 years old recently. And we text back and forth to each other. Um, but I call her my spiritual mom because she's taught me uh, by living out her life and uh, by watching her mm -hmm. and by being there and immediately putting into practice the power of prayer and the, the, the scriptures, how to apply them. Mm -hmm. It's a gift. It's a gift that I treasure mm -hmm. greatly. Mm -hmm. I think my initial mentor um, was, you know, in terms of, Developing a relationship with Jesus was my um, Aunt Mary Nell. Um, she's from Kentucky. She's sweet as can be. She's married to my uncle. Um, and she, when I was in middle school, was the first person that I knew that practiced faith, not religion. So she had scriptures from the New Testament. She had, you know, verses. She had all kinds of things. And she modeled that. And it was it was curious to me because, you know, you go and you say the Lord's Prayer and you have this, 
you know, bulletin that you follow and you do all these things. And this was something very different. Um, and so she has continued to be, um, she's in her late seventies now, but she has continued to be a very strong force, both she and my uncle in terms of faith and faithfulness and we'll text scripture. And, um, that's fantastic. I think, um, over the years, it, you know, um, I have just been blessed to be surrounded with women that I've either known for most of my adult life or even just a few years um, that are transparent, that are open, that are honest, that have no desire to be seen as perfect. Um, I think that's rare in this world. I think most people wake up trying to put your face on. Um, I mean, literal and figurative and step out there and prove to the world that you got it going on. So I really appreciate, um, you know, when I turned 50 several years ago, it was almost like um, some sort of veil was lifted and I didn't have to look a certain way, weigh a certain weight, act a certain thing, have a perfect marriage, have perfect children. Um, have it all. And I think for those of us who are blessed to be surrounded by those multiple mentors, um, it is an absolute blessing and a gift every single day. Mm. And so our last question for you guys is, uh, in the era of COVID and social distancing, where we're trying to be safe and we're oftentimes isolated from our regular communities for one reason or another, um, how do we overcome some of those obstacles of feeling like it's impossible to to bridge these gaps that have come up? It's it's impossible to move past this isolation in our lives. Uh, what are some some steps to overcome that? I think taking advantage of the platforms we have, right? So you might not, I mean, with your small social circle, with your family that you're spending time with, then you feel comfortable to have those interactions and you should. Um, I think, you know, you have platforms of texting, you have platforms of calling, um, platforms of still sending cards or writing letters, lost arts, I'm aware. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, sending those kind of things, taking a minute, seeing something that you think might be meaningful for a neighbor or a neighbor's child or an elderly neighbor or, you know, someone that doesn't live close to you, but you know is struggling, words of affirmation, um, just really checking yourself every day to make sure that, you know, and you don't have to wear yourself out by doing 15 things for 15 people, but have I checked in with this group of people, whether that's just with sending a quick I love you or a little thought? Um, how long has it been since I talked to that person? You know, I should do that or I should send a card or, you know, oh, that I saw this cute little thing. You know, just looking back and making sure that you're taking time to connect um, with folks and, you know, neighbors and, and others. Um, and I think also making sure that people know that you are available um, anytime and, and following up on that. I agree with you because usually when we are able to come together as a community on Sundays, we get to see each other and, and wave and, and say, hey, how are you? And, and that almost makes you feel like you, you made that connection. Mm -hmm. When again, as we've talked about, that's very surface mm -hmm. connection, but time is also limiting us. But I think for us, because I've called more people, texted more people, mm -hmm. stood out in my yard and had longer conversations with my neighbor, mm -hmm. invited people to my back deck, mm -hmm. <laughs> been invited to other people's outside uh, 
seating areas and uh, really, really enjoyed and thank God for those opportunities when we took them for granted before COVID. Mm -hmm. um, when we were, I think we went eight, eight weeks without seeing our grandchildren, maybe a little longer. Oh my goodness. It was like, felt like, you know, eight years. But so when we're together, mm -hmm. our time, we really appreciate that. And I just left someone's home this morning who uh, their connection group is getting together on, on, on their back decks every other week. And it's been encouraging to hear that there is still conversation occurring. Mm -hmm. Connections are being made because um, I just feel like if we don't really push to make these things happen, for me, speaking for myself, it's I'm not a person that gets depressed easy, but I can feel that depression at times mm -hmm. when you go to do something or, or invite someone to go, and then you realize, oh, I don't know how they're practicing social distancing. I don't know who they've been around, you know, looking at the, um, our college connection group starting. I enjoyed it so much. I can't figure out how to navigate that quite yet. Um, but I think it's important that we continue that. Mm -hmm. So I think that we really need to pray and ask God to give us guidance, be safe. Yes, we want to be safe. We want to keep everyone safe. But yet I think we need to look and, and listen for, for more opportunities to, to be together. I've even learned how to do Snapchat. I've learned I can get that. <laughs> that gets their attention more. However I can connect, I will connect. And I think that's what we need to do is... Um, for different ways it's an awesome opportunity to mm -hmm. to think outside the box to, to look for you know what are mm -hmm. some new ways that i can connect with people what can i do to meet them where they're at um michelle shared with me you guys as a family do zoom i think that's a phenomenal we haven't done that as a family right. but i think that's wonderful yeah every week we have between Oh, I guess on a slow week, we'll have maybe 10 or 11 of us on. And when all of us are on, we have 20, mm. um, you know, from kind of all over. And we do, we chat. We set it up for an hour, but honestly, sometimes we're on for two, two and a half hours. Just catching up and talking over each other and, you know, laughing. And it's interesting because <laughs> we started in March. And when things started getting back for some of us, back to a more normal, you know, we're still, no one's really still what it was typical, right? But opening up a bit, depending on where they were, everybody said, oh, no, we still want to do this. And so what we've done is say, this shouldn't feel like it's a task. <laughs> like if you're home and you want to hop on, great. But if you're, you know, blueberry picking or have an opportunity to be, you know, on someone's back deck enjoying, go live life. This is not meant to do that. For me, I almost feel like the opportunities to tell people that you love them and care about them are flushed up, but we're a little bit more purposeful about that during this time. And mm -hmm. I think that's a really great thing. You know, I don't know what all God's doing, but he certainly has purpose in everything he does, right? So um, if if we're able to connect with people in that way and have conversations that, you know, let people know that we love them and we're thinking about them and praying for them, mm -hmm. as Reba said, and with them, um, then I think we're doing... Our, his job for us hasn't changed regardless of COVID. Yep. Now, our job is still to love him and love others. And so <laughs> the world may be falling apart, but um, <laughs> I think he still expects the folks that are his disciples and believers to, to do their job. Uh, definitely want to just close on that. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. 
So before we go, I would love for you each to share a book with us, something that you feel like maybe it applies to even this topic or something that has been impactful in your lives, something that everyone should read at some point in their lives. Uh, what is that for each of you? For me, I it, it doesn't necessarily tie into this conversation about conversations, but a book that I feel like everybody can benefit from is Calm My Anxious Heart by Linda Dillow. And it's meant to either be read as a group or individually. I've read it um, a couple of times at a couple of different places in my life. Um, I read it um, when my kids were overseas. I read it when my older son was going through um, a fairly unpleasant divorce. I've read it during times when, you know, God was certainly doing something, but we didn't know what it was. So the trusting piece, but it really serves to calm your anxious heart. So that's, I, that's just, I think, a good read for, for everybody at some point. So I will share one that I have. Actually, it's a devotional book that Avis Lawson, my good friend, gave me probably. I would say she, Avis gave me this probably almost a year ago, and I just kind of put it on the you know, the side and thought, okay, I'll get to that. But I actually started picking it up during COVID, and it's called Fresh Brewed Life, and it's by uh, Nicole Johnson. And it talks about life, and it takes a cup of coffee and how it applies. I know it's really, really good, and I have been looking at it and possibly contemplating to do that with our, our college group. But I really encourage you to look at this because um, – it's basically if you need hope for the daily grind, and it takes something that we all can relate to, a cup of coffee, right? We have conversations around coffee, and it is really, really good. It talks about our intentions and our intentions with God, our intentions with people, and our intentions with ourselves. So I highly encourage it. Of course, I've also started picking up books that I used to read, and I'm preparing myself for the movie um, uh, Redeeming Love that should be coming out in 2021 by Francine Rivers. Uh, so that is, of course, a fiction book, but it's phenomenal. That is one of my favorite fiction books, Redeeming Love mm-hmm. by Francine Rivers. You can learn so much from that book. So I highly encourage that also. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. Appreciate it so much. Um, and we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Hopefully people will see you guys around. Uh, and we'll see everybody else in the next episode. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.